It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, welcome to the Locked On Wizards Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Troy Halliburton, and joining me in studio, my guy, Shalape Oriola, a.k.a. Lape, a.k.a. the D.C. basketball connoisseur. How you doing today, my brother? I'm doing good. Um, from PG County, number one, but D.C. DC basketball does mean a lot to me, but I'm good. Yeah, I mean, of course, you, you did say, I mean, you are from PG County. I, I knew that because it took you about 20 minutes to get down here. You ain't even know how to park down at the Navy Yard, but I'm going to give you a little credit for it, though, man, because at least you're not scared to come into the city. Yeah, just stand on my lane. <laughs> All right, speaking of staying in your lane, let's talk about what your lane exactly is. When I said that you're a, a D.C. or PG County basketball connoisseur, um, I mean, you're one of the guys that I go to when we have lots of conversations talking about um, the hoop scene in D.C. And so let's just give the people a little bit of your background about, you know, your, your, your high school coaching experience and, and your AAU coaching experience where, where, where you're trying to, you know, build up your own program. Um, yeah. Uh, when it comes to D.C. basketball, it's a special place in my heart. I uh, played ball at uh, Eleanor Roosevelt High School, then graduated, went to college at Morgan State University. Um, had a dream of being a broadcast journalist. Then throughout my junior, my junior year of college, I knew I started to have a fascination with film, film and production. And me and my close friend, who we still do projects today, Mansa Johnson, um, he actually shoots uh, for the Washington Wizards um, as a freelancer. But uh, we started doing documentary series on um, NFL players and NBA players and high school players, uh, just trying to put our work out there. Then I, I, did a doc, I did a documentary my senior year of college with my internship program with a kill car. And, uh, Shout out Crime Stopper. Yeah, the Crime Stopper, exactly. Um, when we did that, we did a two-part series that got over uh, 400,000 views, and that was just us you know, going raw. But when I got out of college, um, going into the workforce, I still knew I wanted to give back to my community. And with that being said, um, I worked for this um, basketball affiliate called DMV Elite. And with DMV Elite, it was great because I got the opportunity to connect with high school athletes and high school basketball players. And with that being the case, um, I kind of made that transition into coaching, um, coaching middle school basketball for the first two years, then made the transition to coach public high school at Bowie High School, which was cool. Uh, my guy, Walter Booth, who I coach with today at St. Mary Reckon High School. And with that being the case, we kind of seen that the DMV – area was heavy on basketball talent but 
our biggest thing was trying to get the the next level kids, the underdogs, to you know raise them up. So we started our own AAU organization called the District Basketball Club, and we're going on five years. And in those five years, we've been able to send over 50 kids to play college basketball at various levels: Division One, Division Two, II, Division Three, and some are even playing college football. Charles Snowden is a junior linebacker at uh, the University of Virginia, and is you know God willing or God you know God's blessing them as an NFL prospect. But biggest thing is we want them to like take advantage of their resources and education and then with that the grind I continue to grind in the film aspect and I landed an opportunity to work with Showtime Sports as a production assistant on all access with Floyd Mayweather versus Andre Bertel and then with that that became well and I worked on the Daniel Jacobs Peter Quillen project and then I used that to come back to DC and I had an opportunity to work with Monumental Sports Network and you know work, work with the Washington Wizards the Washington Mystics, a little bit of the Washington Capitals, and kind of give them a little bit of information on the high school sports scene. So uh, I feel like I'm well-versed when it comes to, you know, film and production, especially in the sports area, but also trying to grow as a storyteller. And uh, the basketball scene, that's like first nature to me. So I feel like I'm well-versed, but it kind of is beautiful because – Everybody knows you have your highs and lows in each industry. So when I have low moments in the film industry, I go to my high, which is basketball. And when I have my low moments in basketball, I go back to my love in film. So it's kind of uh, it's kind of two interesting platforms. Yeah, I mean, life life is always about balance. And so when when you talk about your your love of of basketball and being involved in the community, like I mean, you you're really you know as a basketball coach, you're taking on that that kind of mentorship role. And so you know you you have an opportunity to affect these kids' lives because you know not not you know there's probably very few of these kids who are going to end up playing going on to play professional sports. But what what you're doing is that you're helping build them uh, character as as individuals, and you're helping give them life lessons that they'll be able to take and apply to you know all aspects of life. And so you know, especially when you're talking about coaching at St. Mary's Riken, you know you gotta you gotta teach those kids early. It's gonna be a, it's gonna be a lot of losses that they're gonna take in life. <laughs> hey, I don't, that's a little joke that you and I have just because, you know, uh, I, I graduated from Gonzaga. So we used to always joke about, you know, the St. Mary's, St. Mary's Riken. I don't know. You would call it a rivalry. I don't know. People would have to win at least once or mm-hmm. twice for it to be called a rivalry. Mm-hmm. And uh, also shout out to uh, my guy, uh, Chris Miller, whose uh, son Donovan is playing over at DeMatha High School this year. And so, you know, we, we, we all, the three of us, we always have very uh, enthralling conversations about uh, W. WCAC basketball. And I think that uh, one of the reasons why our conversations are so enthralling is because, I mean, just the talent level of the kids playing in the WCAC is so high. What what, what, do you, what have you uh, learned about, you know, all of these kids and watching some of the greats, like the, the Mellow Trembles, the Chris Jenkins, you know, the Anthony Cowens, all of these guys who play in the WCAC over the last five years? Like, what, what, what have you just learned as a, as, a, as a coach who's, you know, had a literally uh, uh, upfront and per, uh, close seat to be able to watch some of the most talented players in high school basketball uh, come through this area? Um, the level of focus. But first and foremost, uh, shout out to my former professor, M.P.K. Asante. He says this quote, shout out to the people who are being overlooked right now. And that was the reason we took the St. Mary Reichen job, to have an opportunity to build a program up. So going into our third year, those losses, you know, God willing, will become wins. You know what I'm saying? So we took the losses early, but that's how you build a great story. But uh, back to what you said about the WCAC, um, I feel as though the WCAC is probably the best conference in the country, point blank. Period. I agree. But uh, I don't want to 
take away from PG4A, PG County basketball, DCIAA basketball, Montgomery basketball, all the other basketball in the area because it kind of helps mold the WCAC. A lot of those kids get overlooked, but as far as the WCAC, man, it's like college preparatory. So you see the drive and the focus in these kids at an early age. And when I first got out of uh, college and going to you know high school basketball, transitioning to that, um, the amount of hours that they spend on the game is beautiful. It's like the 10,000-hour method. So they're not just practicing on the court, but they're practicing outside of the court, running miles before school, uh, getting shots up, you know, working on different dynamics of their game. So when they do transition into the college level, that's why they're able to make early impacts. And, you know, in 2016, 2015, you know, Markel Fultz um, played JV his first two years at the MAFA and uh, rose up his junior year and then broke out really his senior year uh, for the national spectrum. And now, you know, seeing him be a number one pick in the 2017 NBA draft, it just – is a credit to the WCAC, you know, playing against the Gonzagas of the worlds, uh, the Chris Likes of the worlds, the Miles Dreads, the Prentice Hubs. Um, the WCAC, I mean, it's just it's a factory, and um, I'm blessed to be a part of it. And I know it's going to continue to keep growing and growing and growing because, like I said, the hoops in this area is just is so serious. Um, as we joke around with you, I, and Chris, we talk about it because – uh, we talk about it at a at a high level because you can see the level of focus and it's still free. And when I say free, just being in that grassroots level where you don't have a lot of, you know, the NCAA media sanction and the NBA and the hoopla, it's still at an organic level. And that's the beautiful thing about this area. They take it seriously, but it's still all organic for people trying to see these guys get better. And I saw a tweet that you had put out about IT and him moving to D.C. with the Wizards, and I laughed about it, and I kind of took a subtweet, a sub jab at everybody, but I don't think people saw it. So he said, what team can my third-grade son play for in the D.C. area? There was over about 60 mentions on a third-grade son playing AAU basketball. He didn't really say AAU. Growing up, that used to be recreational basketball. <laughs> right. But we had all these AAU affiliates saying, play for this team, play for that team, play for that team. Not knowing that, knowing the way the NBA works, in the spring, summertime, he's probably going to be back in, uh, in Washington. But um, it was just great to see that because the love is just so genuine. And like it, it being at an early age, we keep our players grounded in this area. Yeah, but do, do you remember the team that I uh, recommended for his son to, uh, to play for? Yeah, shout out to Keith Stevens and Team Takeover. Okay, um, okay. They've so, been doing a phenomenal job over the you know past – I mean, they were triple threat. So over the past about eight, seven, eight years seven. when they changed their name to Team Takeover. But, you know, they've, they've put out a lot of college basketball players, a lot of pros, but that's not the only AU organization in this I area. I understand that. But uh, let me ask you this. So do you think – who who do you think is the, the, the king of the court right now as far as the D.C. basketball AAU scene? Who is the best team coming out of this area right now? Um, I'm with the District Basketball Club, so <laughs> I'm just going to take us out of the picture. Right, right, but right. Outside of the District Basketball Club. I'll give it the team takeover, but shout-out to New World, shout-out to D.C. Premier, shout-out to Mid-Atlantic Select. Um, I know I'm a missing Shout-out to the Fairfax Stars. I used to play for them back in the day. Back in the day, they used to have Jason Clark, who played at Georgetown, who's re- who plays overseas right now. So shout-out to all the AAU program organizations because all of them do a great job. So I don't want to, like, take any one of them out. But 
top of the cream right now is definitely Team Takeover. Shout out to Team Durant too. You know what I'm saying? I'm trying to think of the big names up top, but all shout right. out to all the other AAU programs as well. All right, and since you're such a great historian of the uh, of the game, uh, what do you think is the most popular or best AAU program in the history of DC basketball? Uh, when you say historian, I definitely think I'm a historian, but I'm not. DC basketball is so deep, and we take it so seriously. I remember. Um, still in the mix probably, but I worked on a pilot for Kurt Smith, uh, Trouble Man documentary, and it was so many basketball stories. So I don't want to make any mistakes, but the best AAU team that I ever seen was that uh, DC Assault. DC, DC Assault put yeah. a lot of great mobs, but that 2016 with, the, with, with Nolan Durant Smith, and Mike Beasley and yeah, Nolan, that yeah. was yeah, that was a team. Austin Freeman, yeah. like, that team was amazing, and like I said, DC Blue Devils. With Blue Durant, De- Blue, yeah, Ty Lawson, yeah, yeah, Blue Devils, Blue Devils, Dave East, there. you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Shout out to David Brewster. David Brewster, exactly. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, yeah, no, I mean, the Blue Devils used to definitely uh, wreak havoc back in the day. Uh, D.C. Assault, you know, uh, I haven't got a chance to even go around to see the the, uh, the Kurt Malone documentary yet. Uh, pause on the name of it, Daddy. But, uh, <laughs> 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 but uh, yeah, yeah, I, wa- I wanted to be able to check that out because, I mean, that, that really is a part of history. That's a, a, mm-hmm. a fabric in the culture when you talk about, you know, D.C. basketball. And, I mean, I guess when you when 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 you really think about it, the fact that DC basketball was kind of a, you know a pioneer into you know the whole modern AAU movement. And so when 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 you hear uh, media members complain about oh you know the guys to nowadays they all like each other because their relationships go back to AAU, you know. But I, I feel like a lot of times these guys who came out of the DCAU programs are kind of the ones who are kind of leading some of these discussions where, you know, because because everybody remembers playing against, you know, DC Assault or the DC Blue Devils from, from back in the day. So, you know, I, I guess if, if that's something that we'll have to take responsibility for, I mean, we, we, we'll have to do that for having, you know, the, the area with the best ballers. But I mean, I'm I'm glad that you know you we're we're able to sit here and talk about all of the great things that uh, DC basketball has provided, um, and, and you know obviously you you've been able to to get a whole you know career out of it. But uh, I, I wanted to transition real quick. Uh, I, it's not just talking about uh, the organic, the underground DC basketball scene, but you you mentioned the fact that you know you used to do work with Monumental Sports as a as a producer and a lot of their uh, video content. And so we're going to just talk about, uh, you know, some of, some, of, some of the things that you uh, have witnessed over the years and, and, and your experiences uh, covering the Wizards uh, with Monumental Sports. But first, I'm going to do uh, a quick read uh, talking about Vivid Seats. Make a memory that lasts a lifetime and let the Vivid Seats app help you get to your favorite live event. Enter promo code KICKOFF at checkout to receive a discount of up to $100. That's promo code KICKOFF to receive a checkout for Vivid Seats. All right now, Lopez, man. So you you uh you know you 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 were kind of the the man down there at uh, at Monumental uh of the producing content. That's really where you and I, you know, first were able to build a relationship. Uh, because you know, after the games uh, are over, you know they have the, they open up the locker room to the media and they have the media scrums. And so you know, being, you you being the the big guy that you are, you know, you're always able to you know kind of debo everybody out the way to get to the front of the scrum. So I just started following you. So you know, so we so we could both get prime position. 
But uh, just just tell us about some of your experiences and what it was like over the last couple of years to to cover the, the the Wizards team to actually be in the locker room with the video camera on your shoulder from the you know the highs and the lows. You know you you were there for you know playoff series wins against Boston or, or, or not win against Boston, but wins against Atlanta and uh, uh, Chicago and all these other teams. But you know you also seen the losses against Boston and Toronto. So just just tell us a little bit about your experience at. Uh, working with Monumental Sports? Uh, Monumental Sports uh, has been great, honestly. Um, you know, growing up in the DMV area, or P- especially PG County where I'm from, um, coming to the games and, you know, seeing, like, the media members uh, working the games was kind of interesting to me because I already had the background in film and production, but I knew I wanted to get there. But a lot of my friends who have been, who were, you know, in the industry kind of, you know, said, nah, the opportunity wasn't there. But I knew if I pushed myself, the opportunity would happen. And, you know, through faith, you know, God opened those doors. And when I got into the doors, it was great meeting people like you and all the media members because the thing about Monumental, we have a a close relationship or up-close experience with the Wizards. But honestly, those other media members at the games makes the whole thing organic because it's a lot of different perspectives and we're all trying to cover the same goal. So... Um, shout out to everybody uh, in that media because I used to be on the outside looking at them. Shout out to truthaboutit.net because I started with them as a freelancer with them and trying to make an opportunity in a way. Then I connected with Jamal K. Davis. And with that being the case, um, after my time at Showtime, I had an opportunity to do an interview. And the rest goes from there. And um, you talked about the high moments, my best moments. My best moments were being able to see the players outside of their, you know, their spectrum in the court. You know what I'm saying? Seeing them off the court and realizing they're regular human beings. Um, I know they have, I know one thing with the media, you know, we show them in the best light in front of the, in front of the supporters. And, you know, seeing them off the court, it was just great to see that they're like just regular, genuine human beings. And, you know, they, they got a little, their money is a little bit different, but. Uh, <laughs> a lot of bit different. <laughs> a little, a lot. It depends on how hard you work or it depends on the opportunity, whatever happens in your way. But the biggest thing is I just love the, just the, they were just normal human beings, Bradley Bill. You know, take Bradley Bill, for example. Um, his brothers means a lot to him. His mom means a lot to him. His father means a lot to him. Getting back to St. Louis, you know, John Wall. Um, John Wall has, I've seen him put his people on while he's been in the NBA. We talk about all of the crazy things that go on in the NBA, but we don't talk about the little things of him helping one of his hometown friends now becoming a prime security guard, security member for the Washington. Shout out Flav. Yeah, shout, <laughs> shout out David Best. My fault for putting your, your government name out there if you didn't want to, but shout Shout out to John for giving people like that opportunity. Shout out to, you know, former players in such as in Kelly Oubre, you know, involving his dad when he was in the NBA. Otto Porter, you know, giving back to his area. Little things like that. Yam Mahimi giving back to his, you know, his native country, also starting businesses, you know what I'm saying? So just Thomas Bryant, you know, seeing his story of seeing him being a humble human being, which he still is, but now living out that dream, getting that contract. It's great to see all of these players. Troy Brown, when he got drafted, including his mom's sister and father and his best one of his close friends that you know stays out here with him as well so just seeing these uh these athletes uh as everyday human beings has been the best part um on the court the best moment for me personally was the 2016-2017 season and it's two moments 
the I'm gonna I'm gonna save the best for last. The first moment was when we had that 16 game winning streak in the, the home game, the home game winning year. streak. It was crazy. Like yeah, yeah, it was, was crazy. Yeah, and then the reason it was crazy because I'm a lifetime Wizards. Well, mm, I'm a I'm a long time Wizards fan. So you know, back into the Gilbert days. Um, the Jordan days, the Tyrone Nesbitt days, to now, you know, seeing that arena's packed. And it's funny because when you see John Wall, when he first came in here, he had to go through struggle. And now to see that historic rise in that 2016-2017 season was phenomenal. Then we played the King, LeBron, and Kyrie and Kevin Love. And LeBron hit that turnaround shot with like man. one second left, banked it off the glass. I mean, I still, I still can't believe that shot went in, man. I remember, I mean. I remember Kamaya's face. With, that, with yeah. the stuck face, yeah. Same thing with Kelly Oubre. But it was just great to see the Wizards on that national pedestal. And, you know, you're seeing people like Colin Cowherd saying, oh, the Wizards are the best team than when you first killed John Wall for the Dougie. So it was kind of like great to see the reversal and kind of great to see we were an Eastern Conference contender. And then the shot. Um the Boston Celtics game, Game yeah, Six, the game funeral, six. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the funeral day. I, I was funny that season. I made a that was my first like small video package. The funeral when the Marcus Smart Bradley Bill thing when tussle happened. Yeah, yeah, and all the Wizards players wore all exactly. the black, and so yeah, it was exactly. a big deal. I know, I love and that that, that and the then, shots that you all get of the players coming down that exactly, hallway. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and then the the thing is, the Celtics try to return the favor. Game Six and said we gonna come all black and yeah, end this. It ain't, it ain't play out. It ain't play out. Yeah. John Wall hit the shot saying this is my house i wish we would have won game seven but just to see the area and like to see that shot go in and see everybody in the arena that night just yeah. come together for joy i mean honestly that since i've been a wizards fan that was my that was my nba yeah, that was that was i mean that yeah. was definitely probably the highest moment yeah. in the wizards franchise over the last 40 years that was our so. jordan that was our jordan <laughs> over russell shot yeah. so we're waiting for that real moment to happen but yeah, yeah. john's uh jersey is definitely going into the raptors just because of that shot yeah well i'm glad you had an opportunity to, to, to sit here and talk about about, uh, a lot of the high moments from the on the court, and you know, we'll, let's let's get into some of some of the not so high moments from uh, last season. You know, I think that one of the one of the things that um, that that you've been granted is, is access, and so because you worked with Monumental, you know, you have even more access than you know the average media member. So, like, what, what I'm going to give it for for an example out here for the for the listeners at home who don't understand how, you know, the practice, the NBA practices work. So basically they, they open up their practice and you might get an email and it might say, you know, practices from, you know, 10 or 10 to 12 o'clock. And so the last 15 minutes of the practice will be open to the media and they'll allow you to come in and watch, um, you know, the last 15 minutes and then they'll have media availability for the players afterwards. But because you work with Monumental and Monumental is affiliated with the team, you would be able to go in there, you know, before that last 15 minutes. So you you would be able to see, you know, some of some of the the, the practice moments that literally only you know the coaches and coaching staff would would, would be able to see. What, what what were some of the things that you noticed uh, about the team uh, in that practice setting? From the it seems as though from the very beginning of the season that the the team wasn't really on the same page, and there seemed to be a little bit of a, a contentious nature. Uh, growing, I wouldn't say between the players, but just between, I mean, players and, and the coaching staff or players and, and, and management. It just seemed to be a lot of stuff going on, and it really kind of all bubbled over into that now infamous uh, practice that, that had all of the, the leaks and stuff coming out. What, what do you remember from that time as somebody who was literally a fly on the wall? Uh, first things first, 
before you rise, you got to struggle. So shout out to that struggle because the Wizards will rise again. But um, I think from an inside perspective, and when I say inside, I'm using this word very candidly. I wasn't really that inside. I was really with y'all, but I was working with Monumental. It made it look good, but <laughs> I still got to see. You say last 15 minutes, I got to see the last 16 minutes. All right. <laughs> so I got a little, little pre-prep. But um, honestly, I think expectations, man, you know, was high. And when I say they were high, that 2016-2017 season was phenomenal, right? And then we transitioned to the 2017-2018 season where we had a little bit of, you know, mishaps. And we still made it to the playoffs and still went, still gave Toronto a series and lost in game six. So we bring in Superman, Dwight Howard, who now is with the L.A. Lakers. How ironic. When you bring somebody of that magnitude in, and you have the John Walls summer documentary series and the media is eating all of this stuff up. And then you bring in Austin Rivers, another guard who has a chip on his shoulder, who has a lot to prove. Kelly Goubray had a contract year. Markeith Morris had a contract year. There was a lot of little uh, Jeff Green had a one-year deal, so that's like a contract year. So there was a lot of things that were going on. When you when you kind of like read the papers, that kind of lets you know is is either we're gonna go high or we're gonna go low, and I feel honestly the level of expectations probably caught up. Um, you know, when you're an NBA player, you're the best. You're the these are the best players, best athletes in the world. So there's gonna be a lot of ego and pride, right? So take for example, you talked about me doing the high school scene. I do love the high school scene very well, but you gotta kind of have that same moxie that you carried in high school when you get to the league, because the league is not for everybody, right? So you got somebody like Austin Rivers. You can't tell me, as a fan, that Austin Rivers doesn't have the mindset that I'm not better than some of these players, like Bradley Bill. We know Bradley Bill is better, but Austin Rivers' mindset is I was ranked higher than you in high school, so. You might have had a better situation than me, but if I come to the Wizards, I mean, it's a mano a mano, and you can see that in training camp. In those last 15 minutes, he was able to see it as well, that the, the, the emotions ran high. But I think what really happened was we couldn't bring it together in a candid moment. Like, you know what I'm saying? This is our goal. Our goal is to win this game no matter what. But I feel like the, all those outside, those outside noises and things of that nature kind of affected the locker room. But – um, I mean, honestly, that 2018-2019 season was this, or 2007, yeah, that 2018-2019 season, excuse me, was disappointing. But like I said, throughout those struggles, we created some gems. And Thomas Bryant, Bradley Bill became a certified top three shooting guard in the NBA, no debate, probably the best shooting guard in the East right now. Um, John Wall got a big chip to prove because it's funny, when he first got drafted, he was the savior. Shout out to John Wall. Now you got a lot of people writing him off, but that's been his life. You know what I'm saying? So I feel as though with all the you know trials and tribulations that has happened, this team will become better from it. You got Detroit Brown Juniors of the world who's being overlooked by a lot of people who uh, has a chip to prove. You got the Roy Hachimari fans from Japan oh, who the, loves him. The, the who fans? The, the, the Roy Hachimari fans. <laughs> yeah, okay. From, all right. from Japan that love him. <laughs> but you still got people who's downing them. But I feel like it all brings that chip. And I feel like this struggle is only going to make us better. But 2018, 2019 season was disappointing. But I still feel like there's going to be a rise through that struggle. And that's going to happen in the 2019, 2020 season. 
But by definitely by the 2020 season, the 2021 season, when John Wall comes back, the whole East is in trouble. Oh my goodness! All right, so I mean, I feel like I feel like you kind of uh, you, you kind of danced around like some of the, some of the things from from last season. Uh, I mean, I, I not, not not that you danced around it, but you know, I I completely understand that you know that there was a lot of things that went on uh, during last season, and I feel like. Um, you know, one of the things that I was kind of disappointed with was the the leadership of the team, and that and that's on all on every level. So when you talk about Ernie Grunfeld, who you know from that from that contentious practice, you know Bradley Bill said something. Uh, well, you know it starts at the top, and so when you talk about uh, it starting at the top, it starts with Ernie Grunfeld, and you know the fact that you know he was really on the job for a lot longer than I don't I don't think that anybody. Uh, would have expected from you know the the results that he got as a GM to be on the job for 16 years. I mean that's that, that that's a miracle. Ernie. But I mean I think I think that it starts with Ernie, and then you look at you know what Scott Brooks or was or was not able to do as a leader, and then you know some of that also has to fall on Bradley Bill and John Wall, who are the leaders of the team. What 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 do you think uh, about the team's overall leadership from last season, and then looking forward for this year? What do you think will be different with under under Tommy Shepard and with you know with John being kind of sidelined with that injury and missing the whole season? Well, what do you expect to see from you know Bradley Bill, who is kind of really technically you know really coming into his own, and for the first time since John and Brad have both been here, where you could actually say that you know this is kind of Brad's team now, and so you know what what, what do you think about you know what he's going to be able to do from a leadership standpoint? All right, let me answer the first question. Um, we're going to go from the top since I danced around a little bit. We're going to go to Ernie Grunfeld. Ernie Grunfeld definitely had some bad years with Washington. Um, I won't deny that. But at the same time, he did discover John, even though a lot of people I mean, said that was – He's the number one pick. Yeah, you even though I was – You, I was, you uh, can't get that right. Before, like, you, uh, before you cut me off, yeah, he was the number one pick. But GA, Gilbert Arenas, that 2016-2017 season, I'm going to give him credit on that. That 2017-2018 season, uh, that 2018-2019 season, yeah, maybe that was maybe that was the time. So 2016-17, you so if you going to give him credit, then yeah. we also had to give him fault because he's the same person who went out and signed Yamahimi to a four-year, sixty-four million-dollar contract, and he also signed Andrew Nicholson and had to attach a first-round draft pick to Andrew those Nicholson was, to trade him to get were, away. And those, he, this is the same reason they didn't those, have a backup point those, guard. Those, those are what I call sneaky signings. It's not <laughs> sneaky. Those are not sneaky. Those, those are sneaky. Uh, don't get fired signings that I, ended up winding up getting. Him fired like, and at the end of the day, when you talk about the, the series against Boston, how John Wall's playing forty two minutes and he don't have no rest because they don't have a bench. So that that's on. Shout Ernie out to Brandon, shout out to Brandon Jennings. Yeah, I mean, hey, shout, hey, shout out to my brag, my guy Brandon Jennings. Shout out to my man Javon Phillips over at Excel Sports, who who definitely parlayed a good. I had a great relationship with with, with Brandon while he was here, and that's still my guy. But you know, I mean, he even he'll tell you. That you know he didn't perform at his best, and 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 that and that 2016-17 playoff run. And if he would have played better, the Wizards would have been in a better position. But so I mean, you can't sit here and say, "Oh, I'm giving Ernie credit when I'm gonna, I give, mean, him a, he, I'm gonna give him a little bit of credit." Nah, we can't. I mean, okay, I I'm gonna give him a little, give bit, a little of credit. credit, but you got to tell the whole story here, man. Yeah, we don't, but we don't, I'm, we don't, I'm gonna give him. We don't tell half stories. It would be here. no Gilbert Arenas without Ernie Grunfeld here. I, I mean, and that's, and that's a, and that's a, and that's a, and that's a great, that's a great sign. That's I mean, There's some bad ones though. Let you pair off John Vesely. 
the no, it's been a lot of bad signings. I'm not gonna lie, but he has done some good. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sugarcoat the fact. But let's go back to the 2018-2019 season. Was it the best leadership? No, from the GM level to the coaching level to the players level. But the biggest thing I said was. You've got to struggle before you rise again. I felt like the expectations were a little too much and they weren't handled properly. But why But why were the expectations too much when you're talking about this? Is the, the team is the one going around saying that, oh, Cleveland ducked them in the playoffs and we supposed to be the best team in the East and we the best backcourt in the NBA. You can't, you can't have it both ways. You can't say the expectations are too high when they're the ones who are setting the expectations. So, yeah. I'm, I mean, somebody, some, somebody got to fall on the sword here and I'm just trying to figure out who. Shout out to Tommy Shepard, the new GM of the Washington Wizards, man. He's he's bringing in a culture of workers. And when I say a culture of workers, I feel as though, you know, you have Bradley Bill who has to lead this young team. But Bradley Bill showed a lot of promise and a lot of growth through John Wall's injury last year. When he let's, let's just take one play, for example. When they played the New York Knicks in London and he gave a pass to Thomas Bryant for the last shot. Everybody, a lot of people know superstars really don't pass those, those type of uh, plays away. So he's showing leadership of, you know, being able to mentor and talk to Troy Brown, being able to be in the draft room while they select Roy Huchamari, um, you know, embracing IT. So I feel like Tommy Shepard is now trying to bring a culture of people who have chips on their shoulders and workers. Signing Isaiah Thomas is risky. Yeah, but, I mean, I think but, it's I think it's a lower risk, high yeah. reward type of move. I yeah, mean, the guy's risk. making a, a minimum deal, so but it's not really a lot of a, risk involved. Yeah, in it's that. not a risk, but it's a he's, he's another it's worker. It's a gamble, yeah. but it's not a lot of risk. And I involved feel as though it. what you said was when I say bearing the culture of workers, it's great for Rory to see somebody like it in the gym early in the morning. You see it on his IG. Where is he at? The gym. Every morning, top of the top. You know, in the, the mar- TMC, the marathon continues. Exactly. So, you exactly. Know, I, I see the stuff, and yeah. I, I agree with you completely. When and then let's go to Coach Scott Brooks real okay, quick. Okay, go ahead. Now go ahead. Because I've listened to your podcast, and you've killed my man. Scott Brooks is a solid coach, right? And I think last year, through all the adversity and all everything that was going on as a coach, he probably learned a lot. You know what I'm saying? He hasn't lost like that since he's been in the NBA, period. But now he has to go back in his bag, his coaching bag, and show us, okay, now I had John, Brad, Dwight Howard, all of these guys. But the biggest thing was the culture wasn't there where people probably weren't listening. But who was that on? That, that, that sounds like a job for the head coach. Uh, I mean, you, I you say that. I mean, you say because you said I'm you killing. Say, you you, said, say, no, no, you, you say, said I'm killing the guy, but it sounded like to me I'm just you know kind of accurately portraying what's going on. You and say so that when, when you talk about you know Scott Brooks, I mean the, we, we, the reason why that my standards are high for Scott Brooks is the fact that you know the guy was hired to come in and coach the team. They didn't interview anybody else for the job. They gave him a five year, thirty five million dollar contract. Shout out to the bag as one of they're paying him as one of the highest paid head coaches in the league. Like there's responsibility that comes with that. And so when you talk about him being the leader of the team and the stuff going crazy up under him and him not being able to say anything, not being held accountable by media members asking him questions, like that's not that's not killing the guy. I mean, that's everybody has to be held accountable for what it is that they do. And I'm I'm not I like I very much like Scott Brooks as a person. I enjoy talking to him. I think he knows a lot about basketball. I think he loves the game. I think that he has made some very clear mistakes in his coaching career that you know that he should that nobody is above reproach for being held accountable for mistakes. That's not that's not killing the guy. I like the guy a lot. But I mean he like him playing 
what, what, what was the guy, my man, uh, uh, Sam Decker and Ron Baker? Like, over, pick. over, no, but man, that was three <laughs> years ago. Both of them dudes are out of the league. They playing in Europe right now. And Troy Brown only played seven hundred minutes last year. That's on Scott Brooks. That's a, you. It's no. He played a lot even, with the Capital City Go Go. Nah, but I don't even know what we're talking about here because when, when, when you talk about. Oh, I'm killing him. Like, nah, that's this is stuff that he gotta answer for. Like and and, and if we not gonna be here and have the honest conversations, then we're all right, we're doing a disservice to the listeners out here and the Wizards fans if we're not gonna keep it real. Keeping it real on the Locked In Wizards podcast with Troy Hildebrand. I love it. Hey man. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, I'm sorry, I'm sorry if we just got a little bit too real. For the podcast, but this is, like this, I, is, this is how the post game talks go in the locker room. Exactly, like exactly. So now we we, we I'm just excited put it on display. for the people to see the organic in uh, Troy. But nah, going back to Scott Brooks, of course he didn't have his best season as a coach last year. But now he's really got to prove us, prove to the DC area now that I can coach when the chips are stacked against you. You know what I'm saying? So when you had Katie, Russell Westbrook, James Harden, you had a great mob in that um, OKC. So when you came over here, you took. They were two and seven, and a lot of people were questioning. Well, but you well, made yeah, you talking about this the first year one, year one. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. They went to they don't they went to game seven of the Eastern Conference semifinals. There were some questionable X's and O's, but as any great coach knows, a lot of coaches have questionable great X's and O's. You're telling me that the Serbian coach is better than Greg Popovich? He got out, oh he got out X's and O's in that the USA national game. Nobody, nobody yeah. saying like this, this, I'm is, just, a, this, oh, a, this is a very so, much apples so, to oranges comparison. So, so the two the three years he's been here, two years he's made it to the playoffs. Last year was definitely supposed to be a playoff year. He slipped, but he struggled. Now we gotta see what he's really made of because now we gotta see if this team is a team that's gonna fight and show the fans that we got something to play for, or it's time to move away from Coach Brooks. But um, he was a former NBA player who had to fight his way to get his ranks in the league. As a coach, he had to fight his way to get his ranks in the league. And I'm pretty sure this season he's going to change the, They're going to establish a culture of workers and change the culture around for this Washington Wizards team. All right. Well, I'm glad that you believe. And we're going to on this podcast, I've been asking everybody this question. You know, uh, Las Vegas puts out an over-under total for the amount of wins for this season. So the Wizards over-under is 27 and a half games, which is, which is very low. Right? But what, what do you think? How, how much of an improvement do you think we can see out of Scott Brooks? I mean, we, we, had to, we had to put you on the, line, on the spot here. Are the Wizards going to go over or under that 27 and a half game mark? Uh, there's 82 games in the NBA, right? Out of the 82 games, 75 of the games we'll lose by 75. 75 of the games would be a 10 or less deficit. We're gonna go a humble 24 and 58, but we're gonna sell hope to the team for the oh, future. Oh my goodness! So we're gonna win 24 games. Hey, hey, it's gonna be a culture of workers, though. So hey, the we, fans we, will be we, impressed we, hey, with that. We're gonna uh, run this podcast. We're gonna put a timestamp on this. We're gonna we're gonna make sure that the people know a lot of games that, will be close. That, though that that, that, that Lape predicted they're gonna win 24 games this year. So, you know, hey, I mean, I, I don't know. I hope I don't, they prove me wrong. I, I, I don't know how you can sit here and believe in, in Scott Brooks as much as you as you do. And they say they're going to turn around with 24 games. You hype up Bradley Bill. They're going to be competitive. Thomas Bryant. All these things you believe in. But how you mean, <laughs> with, with the money on the line, you say, I don't, oh, I don't like, know how much what, you One quick quote. One quick quote. I hype up Thomas Bryant. I love Thomas I Bryant. I love TB, too. But he's still young. Troy Brown is still young. Isaiah Thomas is... Bradley Bill's 25 years old, 26 years old. You can't do it by yourself, bro. I understand. I understand. Shout out to Troy Brown. Shout out to all of them. They're going to be great role players this year, but it's a process. It's I a understand. process. I 24, understand. 24 and 58, we go 
20 and 22 on 20 and 21 at home. All right, man. So I, I I greatly appreciate you making that prediction. We're, we're gonna we're gonna hold you to that, and I also greatly appreciate you for for coming on the podcast today to to really talk about hoops. Uh, and you know, you you really got into it. This was an organic conversation, as uh, the listeners can tell at you saw home. Saw the message, <laughs> no, nah, I mean, you know, whenever whenever we get to really talking, if, if we're going to disagree, then, you know, we got we to gotta really break it down. We're not going to just, I'm not going to say, oh, I disagree and not. Shout out to the Scott Brooks fans out there. Exactly. I mean, hey, man, I like Scott Brooks a lot. I hope he's listening, Shout man. Shout out to the Ernie Grunfeld fans out there. Yeah, man, I hope I hope Ernie's listening, too. I know he used to uh, read a lot of Truth About Us stuff and, and not try to put it it's in the Wizards day. today. My last prediction, John Wall be 2021 <laughs> return player of the year. John Wall's not even gonna play next season, so 2021, I mean, twenty twenty one. Okay, comeback player of the yes. year. All right, that's a bet. That's yes. a bet, man. Well, uh, at least uh, let, let the people know where they can find you on 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 all the social media and give yourself a plug. Any of the things that you're working on right now, you know, I, I know of a couple of things that you're working on, but I don't know if you want to reveal that on the podcast. But you know, just let let, let the people know where they can find you and what you uh, are working on right now. Um. They can find me on Twitter at Lape14, L-A-P-E-14. They can find me on IG at Lape0714, L-A-P-E-0714. And I'm working on a couple of things that's disclosed, but it's it's on some NBA players right now. So it's a big wave of people controlling the narrative. Uh, shout out to AB. I'm not a fan of what he's doing, but I am a fan of him being able to control the narrative, and I feel like that's the way that the media cycle is going. Okay, yeah, yeah, I I feel that, and I look forward to seeing uh, some of the projects that you have with uh, some of the, some of the local DC artists to be able to give that you know behind the scenes peel back the curtain and let the people know you know what 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 it's like to to you know be in the NBA and to you know work in the in in and around the NBA. So again, Lape man, I appreciate you for coming on, my brother. We'll have to do this again in the future. Uh, we'll have to we'll have to get Chris Miller down here, and we'll we'll, we'll do a whole. Uh, uh, DC WCAC uh, Megapod after uh, Gonzaga wins uh, back-to-back championships. And we'll, we'll just end it on that. Chilling back, giving advice. I buy my girl shit that don't matter the price. They see that I'm taking it, try getting pants. Label money, I just tell in advance. I ain't cheating, I'm just trying to dance. She just trying to have me up in the trance. I'm in a stripper like fuck it. They just trying to make some buckets. Love when I slap down my ones, but it bounced like a ball when I struck it. So if you ever see a real nigga like me, just let them live and just be how it be. Go to the club with them two and you'll see. With a J, we'll be on the same team. I want a baller like the Wizards. Yeah, you know what I mean. When I'm blue, I'm on the net. Girl, she went shots for the team. I was in high school with dreams. Now I'm almost looking clean. Teaching game like a dean. Coach all these girls to a ring. I want a ball, I like the whistles. Yeah, you know what I mean. When I'm blue, I'm on the net. Girl, 
she was shot for the team. I was in high school with dreams. Now I'm almost looking clean. Teaching game like a dean. Coach all these girls to a ring. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.